It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. What is going on out there, everybody? This is Brian McWilliams on a post-Porkfest Mean Age Daydream. Of course, I just restarted my computer, hoping I'm coming in here and actually going to be able to hear this after it's done because I could not hear my intro at all. <laughs> so hopefully this is coming through to you guys. If not, I'll have to re-record it. And of course, when I'm broadcasting live to our Rumble, to our YouTube, and to my Mean Age Daydream page, that's not going to be great. So if you're watching, let me know in the comments if you can actually hear this. But we're back, guys. I'm back from a, uh, a nice pork fest uh, edition. Met some nice friends out there, including Reed Coverdale, Angela McArdle, Terry and Matt Kibbe, uh, David Fight. Met up with him, Dan Smots. A good old time had by all. And we will have some shows to share, by the way. The uh, Terry and Matt of Free the People were kind enough to allow us to borrow their staff to record shows, to record uh, audio and video. So I'm just waiting to get those through. But John and I both will have that. And John Odermatt did a fantastic interview with Jeffrey Tucker, which we will share hopefully by next Monday on Finding Freedom. I will have my conversation with Angela McArdle and Terry, uh, I'm sorry, with Matt Kibbe and Angela McArdle, talking about RFK Jr., talking about messaging, talking about who's going to run for president in the Libertarian Party and all that kind of good stuff. So Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we are here today to talk about the gates that are going on. There's so many gates. It's a, no Bill Gates, but Bill Gates, of course, was just recently in China, you know, going out there, probably going around sneezing everywhere to make sure that the next COVID got ushered in. And I'm going to save my RFK thoughts, comments for next week, because again, having sat down with Angela and Matt Kibbe, we do talk about RFK Jr. who spoke at Porkfest. I will say this, though, for those of you doubting RFK's conversion from Democrat or I guess Kennedy liberal, right, which I guess Bill Maher identifies as a Kennedy liberal. For those of you questioning whether or not RFK has made a transition is red pilled. I believe sincerely that he is. And his talk at Porkfest really leaned into that. I mean, the guy really when you think about it, I mean, he's got every reason to mistrust the government, period. He had views on climate, which we as libertarians and anarchists may not get behind, but he has now really evolved in that thinking as well to where he doesn't really trust the government to take care of that situation, to handle anything. And really it comes down to private institutions being able to handle that. Now, extend that through to COVID and looking at the COVID response through the, to the censorship complex that he is facing through to even the warfare state that's going on right now. And his plan to roll in and close the bases. So we'll talk more about this on next week's episode, presuming I have all that cut together and clipped and able to share. But I would say that the man is without a doubt authentic. And of course, as libertarians, we see the Bill Welds of the world out there and get bids in the past and we shake our heads and say, are we going to go down this path again? Well, for RFK Jr., I would say it's an intriguing option. Because you know the Democratic Party is going to burn you Sanders the living hell out of the guy. Should he get should he get close? Should he even get a chance? They're going to undercut him. So 
Let's see what happens here, because I think it's a realistic possibility that he could end up becoming a nominee for the Libertarian Party in the future. The fact that he was at Porkfest was pretty amazing, honestly. So we'll see what happens. But again, we'll save most of that conversation for next week. So this week, what did we miss? Well, while I was over at Porkfest in New Hampshire, the news came out that the submarine that we were all waiting to see what happened with bated breath, uh, bated breath for billionaires, well, that turns out to have imploded four days before the Navy decided to tell us and that they had distinctly detected what was reported far later on to be pretty much what exactly you'd expect uh, an imploded submarine to sound like an hour after the sub was lost, like an hour after it was reported. So this is coming out, but hasn't really had the broad reporting that you would expect or hope from the mainstream media. And for me, I'm looking at this and I'm wondering, why the hell did they wait so long to tell us? Some people say, well, it's because they wanted to make sure the survivors weren't there. But let's be perfectly honest here, people. As soon as that sub went missing, did anybody really expect it to come back up? Did anybody expect after a day for them not to find this thing? Because there's two options here. Number one, it sank, right? It imploded and sank, in which case you're not going to find it. Number two, if the fail safes, quote you know, it reminds me of a Futurama episode with a uh, Futurama, the, the famous cartoon where they have a spaceship filled with, you know, uh, crude space oil, dark matter. And they're joking about the Exxon Valdez and how this space, this space, you know, giant spaceship full of dark matter was going past a penguin reserve and they had 8,000 holes to make sure it didn't spill. And you cry, why did they have 8,001 holes when it finally spilled its oil? But Apparently, they had eight fail-safes on this little sub, none of which worked. So, you know, if they're not coming back up to the surface, one of the fail-safes would be that it just simply resurfaces. If you're not seeing it on the surface, they're dead, right? Done. If you're not finding within 24, they're dead. They're gone. It's not coming back up. So the fact that the media covered this for days on end ad nauseum, and just happened to coincidentally be the exact same time period that all these other things were happening, that Hunter Biden revelation was coming out, that Joe Biden being, uh, you know, basically Hunter Biden referring to Joe Biden being caught on tape and saying, look, I'm talking to this Chinese businessman, and if you don't send this money and resolve the situation, well, the guy next to me is going to be very upset, talking about his father. Coincidence that the Navy didn't tell us about this implosion during this? Is it coincidence that all of these other mainstream scandals are going on at the exact same time? And yet, they wait four days to let us know. It just seems a little bit too convenient. And naturally, the news media is going to lean into this because everybody loves a, sens- you know, a sensational, and I'll give John Ziegler uh, credit for it's not even his comment, but he was doing a nice show on this phenomenon. Of course, uh, John Ziegler over at uh, the Death of Journalism podcast, but talking about how it does seem how the farther away from the Earth's crust something happens, the more media coverage it garners, right? If something happens in space and astronauts are lost in space, then everybody goes, holy shit, we got to put down what we're doing and talk about these space astronauts up here because they're so far away. Just think how you'd feel if you were so far away and trapped. Same thing in a situation below the ocean. So all of the uh, Americans and international community was glued to their TVs trying to figure out if these people were dead or alive, even though we knew they were definitively dead, which is why I tweeted out immediately after it was reported that they were lost, that instead of tweeting that 
our hearts go out to these people that are lost in the sub thoughts and prayers. We should have been tweeting out and wishing uh, that our hearts would go on, which of course is the theme song from Titanic. Some people said it was too soon. I disagree. And clearly I was right. It was just on time. So there's the Ocean Gate scandal. Now, the one thing I want to add here about Ocean Gate, right? Because what more is there to say? There were a couple of billionaires. You saw some people, the the evil ilk, the socialist ilk, who were basically cheering for these people imploding. And I, you know, my friend's probably not going to like this, but I'm going to mention it anyway, because I'm friends with the manager of a uh, female musician called King Princess. And I give him full credit. He's raised her up from nothing. Until, now she's a very, very, very famous star, and he's made a lot of money. So if he doesn't like me talking about it, too bad. But she had posted a TikTok, and I think this has a nice summation of some people's viewpoints, essentially saying, well, you know what? I had relatives that died out of the Titanic, and these billionaires had it coming to them. You know, how dare they? A lot of people had shared that sentiment. Billionaires are going to billionaire. Well, I'm glad they died because these billionaires are flaunting their cash. They could have used that money, that $250,000, to help people. Well, you know what? Here's a counterpoint to that. These billionaires are typically billionaires for a good damn, good goddamn good reason, right? And it's because they have already provided humanity with a unbelievably valuable service. Otherwise, they wouldn't be billionaires. If the thing that they provided wasn't in such high demand, they wouldn't be able to afford the trip, which I think is idiotic. I would never make that trip. But still, a trip to the bottom of the ocean to check out the Titanic and maybe find, uh, I don't know, a shoelace that no one's ever seen before or a new fish that only fucks in the confines of sunken ships where musicians fell off the side at the last minute but, but played all the way down, right? So good for them. And it's also something you have to say, look, the people that took this trip, as crazy as it might have been to use a Logitech controller to control a submarine to go to the bottom of the ocean, guys... What the fuck do you think happened with the Wright brothers? Do you think that they were only using the finest tools and equipment? If you're doing something that not many people have done before, you're probably not going to know exactly how to do it. You're taking a risk. And these people that went down there are taking the risk. The people that ran this project are taking a risk. But you need risk takers in life. Otherwise, nothing gets pushed forward. You need Elon Musk. Yes, you even need people in imploded submarines that are going to try and fail. And while Elon Musk is doing incredible things, shooting rockets into the air that then can reland a vital tool if you're going to try to keep your rockets intact and reuse them, well, the number of times he failed is probably astronomical, far more than we presume. I've seen a lot of explosions on tape of, of failed rocket launches. We've seen I've seen things break up in the sky over LA you know, because they're based right here, right in El Segundo. So for all those people cheering for the debts of these people or saying how much of a, an idiotic waste of money this is, well, fuck you. You need people that will take the risk. You need people who will dream of it and follow that pursuit, and they should be cheered for having the balls to do something that nobody else has done before and to take the risk that could provide an advancement for humanity. We still don't know much about what's going on in the bottom of the ocean. I mean, there's a reason they call that one of the next great frontiers because we can't get down there easily. There might be untold riches for humanity down there. There might be, like the abyss, aliens down there made of water that come up and look like giant dildos. But, you know, for some reason you want to make friends with a giant alien water dildo. I don't judge people. Save it for your hentai. But the Ocean Gate thing, you know... As I said, the media coverage was confusing. The government essentially cover-up for four days was more confusing and goes to show you that, again, projecting thoughts forward here, were there aliens out there, right? 
I don't trust our government to ever tell us. And I've really talked much about this alien thing, about the, the whistleblower and the alien reports of spacecraft being found. I don't trust our government to tell us anything should they have found aliens. They don't trust us with that knowledge because clearly they didn't trust us to to have the knowledge of a submarine that imploded four days before they actually revealed it. But think about it this way. Well, I'm convinced that aliens exist, right? There's too broad of a universe out there for there not to be some intelligent life. At the same time, if this life is that intelligent, enough to find us, survey us, to get out here, to fly light years across the galaxy, are they really fucking dumb enough to crash land on our planet or be shot down by a bunch of jackasses in F-15s? I highly doubt it. Like the Roswell aliens, what they just, whoops. What are they, miscalculated? They got like a... An Asian woman backing into the the post at McDonald's because she made the wrong order and got sick of waiting. No, I mean maybe. <laughs> I guess. I guess there's got to be Asian women in the alien races too, right? <laughs> That's who we're finding in our crash landings. It's like uh, I used to tell this joke about how all the dinosaurs, like we don't even realize that the probably they were really advanced dinosaurs because it's only the retarded ones that are falling into tar pits. <laughs> we're finding their bones. Meanwhile, the science dinosaurs live for another thousand years, but we don't find their bones because they weren't dumb enough to fall into tar pits. Anyway, that was one gate, right? So that's, that's one gate of, off the list of three. You could argue even four gates, but uh, the Wagner group rebelling uh, in this, Maybe real, maybe pretend, maybe psyop, maybe intelligence-led operation by Putin or, or some other thing I'll get into later on. But before we go into this next gate, I want to remind you that you can support all of our work here at the Gates Foundation by going to lionsofliberty.com. Uh, we have links there to the Patreon. You can get on uh, lionsofliberty.locals.com. You can join us at patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty and get my daily rants. You could get uh, the upcoming Do Nothing Man release, which I recorded a live Do Nothing Man versus the LGBTQ Rangers, basically the Mighty Morphin LGBTQ Rangers, which is hilarious and includes the voice of Matt Kibbe and uh, Jack Casey on there. Matt Kibbe, who did not read the full script before reading it and uh, hilarious watching his reactions to some of the things that are in that script. But you can get all of that early by joining our Patreon, including Secrets, Lies, and Cover-Ups. We're going to be recording another one of those very soon, live streams, and everything else. So please join us. Please help us support the show. Okay, the next gate let's talk about is that I was looking through basically this, you know, re reactions to Pride. And I had talked about in previous episodes how not only have Pride parades abandoned some of the core principles, which was to be associative to the normies, right? To say, hey, there's a lot of us in the community here. We live among you. We're friends like you. We have families like you. And to just pure embracements of fetishes, right? And you look at what's going on here. Even just the guys that are that are bicycling around nude, right? And there are nude bicycle events here in LA. They hold them. But at least they let you know in advance, hey, there's going to be nudity. And you could argue that, yes, people should know by now. If you take your child to a pride parade, you're going to see a lot of dicks and a lot of you know, vages and sometimes dicks and vages on the same person. But it's crossed the line into ostracization of people rather than embracing, trying to embrace the community. And, and hey, we're like you. But it's taken a new turn here with this latest chant that happened at a New York City pride event wherein the people marching down the street are, are literally saying, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. And part of me wants to think, 
about this Patriot march uh, that happened with the Proud Boys were marching and feds, what looked to be very clearly to be feds to me, got in there. They're they're portraying themselves as Nazis. Now, they're all wearing the same black shirts and tan pants, and they've got black masks on and hats, right? But to their very, very uh, high credit, the Patriot group and the Proud Boys group that was marching maskless out in the out in the streets, you know, just pro-America. Well, they took umbrage with these pretend Nazis trying to join their march because they knew what this was. They know this is, and I can't say this is definitive, but allegedly feds trying to infiltrate the group, trying to get them to do something violent or stupid, trying to make them look bad for television cameras, trying to make them look bad for, for reporters and normal people out there and trying to lean into the government's portrayal of any group that is pro-America, that is anti-big government, that is anti-censorship, uh, that is anti-whatever it might be, the WEF agenda that the Biden administration and others have, have uh, so eagerly embraced trying to portray them as white extremists, right? Joe Biden is on record saying, well, white extremism is the biggest problem that America faces and one of the stupidest fucking things I've ever heard in my entire life. So they say, you're not with us. Go fuck yourselves. Get the fuck out of here. And they start demasking these these people. Now, what happens when they demask them? Well, these guys are terrified and start running away, which I guess maybe Nazis would do too. But the good old internet has figured out that at least one of the people that was demasked actually was a younger guy who put on his on his profile, well, you know, here's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to work for the government. Now, they demasked several of these. Now, the point of this recording, there might be more people that got demasked during this that are now since found out to be government spooks. But it certainly does play into what we've seen, which is many times in these movements, you have these random people that are in no way affiliated with the group that's marching, somehow co-opt the event and they're the ones that are on camera and they're the ones that are trying to lead the charge to the, the dumbest things. They're the ones that are actually engaging in what you would call quote-unquote hate speech. And yet they disappear like Homer Simpson back into the bushes after it's over. No charges are ever pressed against these people. And in the video I was watching, it certainly looked like the police we're weighing in to protect the people that were the Nazis being demasked from these evil, peaceful marchers. Now, similar to that, I look at what's going on with this Pride event parade, and I have to wonder, number one, why the fuck the broader community there would ever think it's a good idea to say we're coming for your children? If there's one thing, and I warned against this in prior episodes, and I continue to warn the gay community to be watchful over this because you risk losing all of the rights that you fought for. You risk, risk losing all of the goodwill that you fought for, not only with the fetishes, not only with the blatant sexualization of children that goes on with these drag shows in front of kids. And again, going to schools, putting on, you know, sitting at your pride parade and going directly in front of a small child and shaking your naked genitals in their faces. That is not a good look, especially in our social media community here, right? Our social media timeframe where everybody's got a, a camera to share this. But for these people to think that it would be a good idea to chant, we're coming for your children at a major event in New York City in front of thousands and thousands of people in a social media era, it's so beyond mind-bogglingly stupid and absurd that it makes me think, is there something deeper here? Is there an agent provocateur that is working within this group as well to try to undermine what you know a normalcy in the community? 
because it just doesn't add up. And I will say, as I mentioned, I blame completely the marchers for, for engaging in this chant and not saying, not looking around and going, what are we saying? People are going to get angry. People are going to come for us. People are going to lean into every stereotype about grooming that exists. And we tell them we're coming for their children. And we've got the fucking facts backing it up because you've got the children being sexualized and, and taught all this stuff in schools and, and books about blowjobs in elementary schools and drag story hours in schools. All these things where people go, we're not comfortable with this. And you think the answer is to lean in? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think what provocateurs would benefit from this unless you're saying, okay, well they're being infiltrated by anti-gay groups that are going to go in there. But even that seems like most there, there don't seem to be that many anti-gay groups out there that aren't actually gay people trying to separate the trans from the rest of them or trying to, to get a hold on some sanity. So what government organization would, would suffice to get in there? I mean, is it simply a matter of dividing people further, of, of fostering more hatred? Because that's certainly possible. We did our Mufasa call last night, which is a call we do with our $25 and up supporters. On uh, We do like a once-month Zoom where we just kind of shoot the shit and talk things through. And Craig, one of our, our longtime supporters, had voiced that. Well, it's just simply about keeping people divided. There was These pride events were too popular. The gay communities become too accepted where you've got 85 plus percent of all Americans, I think it's even higher, it might be 91% of all Americans now in support of gay marriage, having no problem with it. Well, we can't allow that, right? We've got to get these people pissed off about something again. Let's get in there. Let's have some, some federal agents get in there and start a chant about coming for your children. That should really distract the population, shouldn't it? That should really turn these people on each other further. I mean, because it, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. To lean into the groomer stereotype, to lean in, it's too on the nose to blatantly tell people that everything that they are suspicious of in, in academia through to your, your everyday interactions with the gay community are accurate and that you're coming for your kids. I mean, it's fundamentally stupid. Not only that is it fundamentally stupid, but if we're to believe that being gay is natural and not something that is fostered through an environment... Doesn't that undermine your entire argument? We're coming for your children. Shouldn't a certain portion of the population already be gay? And that's that. Instead of coming for your children, we're here to help your children. We're here to be here for your children as a supportive community in case they happen to be among the 10% of the American population or the worldwide population that is gay. It's just, it's so stupid that something here stinks. And people are right to be mad about this chant. Absolutely right to be mad about it, but something here ain't right. And like I said, I, I do wonder if it's the exact same feds that are pretending to be Nazis that are now pretending to be grooming LGB to try to rile people up. So something to look about, something to, something to think about as we move forward. And uh, <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot more Pride Month left, right? We've got uh, three more days, four more days. Of Pride Month, so maybe the feds are saying saving the big stuff for last. You know, they're going to openly transition a child at the last Pride Parade of the month or something. Cut him open like a pinata. You know, all these little little dicks will fall out. <laughs> oh God, I'm going to this episode is going to be canceled for sure. Canceled for sure. Live streaming, I can't even edit it. Oh boy! All right, what's the last gate we should talk about here? I tweeted out a bunch of gates, and I already forgot the last one. It was Ocean Gate, 
Pride Gate. Oh, Pizzagate. We got a new Pizzagate, guys. Also in New York. And this is one of the most mind-bogglingly stupid things. Now, let me pull up my own Twitter here because I tweeted out a statement that came out of the New York Environmental Protection Agency. And they are going after pizza ovens, coal-burning pizza ovens. So you can see when I talk about Pizzagate, I'm sadly not talking about a new way of exposing pedophiles, which basically has been confirmed, right? Like Pizzagate's confirmed. We know that. We, we have the emails. We have, we have the, uh, the Twitter files. We have the Facebook and Instagram files confirming, in fact, that pedophiles are using pizza symbols online to signify child pornography, which Instagram and Facebook were unbelievably slow and basically permissive of being passed around on their platforms. Meanwhile, Elon Musk is a Nazi, guys, remember, because he dared to crack down on that and has opinions that the left doesn't jive with. But, you know, child porn on Mark Zuckerberg, godchild uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who, of course, censored the living fuck out of Americans on behalf of the left and gave something like $100 million to leftist causes, uh, fine for him to have child porn. So anyway, this New York pizza party, hashtag New York pizza party, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure it's going to be trending, stems out of the EPA's decision to try to push forward with restricting coal-burning pizza ovens in New York City, saying that, and I quote, All New Yorkers deserve to breathe healthy air and wood and coal-fired stoves are among the largest contributors of harmful harmful pollutants in neighborhoods with poor air quality. DEP spokesman Ted Timbers. Ted Timbers wants to ban wood-burning ovens. Mm, Timbers? Mm. I think he's got a conflict of interest. Ted Timbers said in a statement obtained by Fox News Digital Monday, quote, this common sense rule developed with restaurant and environmental justice groups requires a professional review of whether installing emission controls is feasible. And I tweeted this out. There is no such fucking thing as a common sense rule when you combine that with environmental justice. It doesn't exist because those things are fucking incompatible. Incompatible. Any rule has no common sense application when applied to anything with the phrase justice that is also associated with it. Because when you get in justice, what you're talking about is activists masquerading as government operatives or government operatives that have, co- that have been co-opted as um, activists. So this thing has actually pissed off a good number of New Yorkers. And I have talked about my hypothesis that cancel culture and dumbass shit like this needs to accelerate in this manner to get people woken up. Now, you're seeing this happen with trans. You're seeing this happen with cancel culture and censorship where people are waking up and getting pissed off. Well, guess what? Now with the EPA, they already pushed the boundaries under Biden trying to get rid of gas stoves, which really roiled up people and riled people up. Well, now coming after coal and wood-fired pizza ovens. Now, New Yorkers... In case you don't know many, don't shut the fuck up about two things. How great New York is, and that seems to be something they don't talk about much anymore because so many of them are fleeing New York City for places like Texas and Florida, and they've seen New York just completely decay into a filthy, homeless-riddled, shit-riddled pile of garbage. And of course, I, I live in a pile of garbage as well, though in my city of Hawthorne, The cops actually do a good job, and we don't have homeless running everywhere, which is nice. But places like San Francisco. So New Yorkers can't really talk about how New York City is the greatest place on earth anymore. They still 
can talk about how their pizza is better than anywhere else. Now, this is debatable. Pizza in Philadelphia is great. Pizza in New York City is fine. I find that for the amount of of talk they do about how great the pizza is, you're going to find a lot of shitty pizza in New York because everybody thinks that their pizza is so good they don't have to improve the recipe, right? Leads to a lot of crappy pizza and a lot of people being lazy about how they make it. But still, going after pizza places in New York is tantamount to suicide by government. So I cheer it on. Please go after more pizza places. And in fact, double down, go after the bagels. What else does we go after the gabagool? What else do fucking New Yorkers love to eat? I don't know. Shit. Go after all of it, because that's what's actually going to kick this into high gear. And there's a great video of a guy going out and tossing pizza. And I apologize. I would play these videos, but for some reason, I just updated my computer. I'm having an issue where if I try to, to go and play a video during a live stream, it's just slowing it down and getting super pixelated. So I'll try to figure that out by the time I, I do another live stream. But you got this great video of a guy taking pizza and throwing it over city, the fence in City Hall and basically, you know, saying, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic. But think about fundamentally how stupid, how up your own ass your head has to be as a legislator in New York to think, well, you know what we should do? We should tax small business owners who are owning pizza places, right? And I don't know what the margins on pizza are, probably decent, but you're still going after small business owners in the city and saying that somehow they're making pizzas in coal-fired or wood-fired stoves is leading to the worst air quality in places that have poor communities. Fucking really? Really? You're telling me that pizza is to blame for the bad air quality in New York City slums? More than, say, fires and trash cans under bridges hit by homeless people? I'm going to go on on a limb. I'm going to say there's far more pollutants that come out of giant trash cans filled with garbage and flames that homeless people gather around every single day and night in New York than there are small business owners trying to cook pizzas in them and that getting rid of the homeless problem is probably going to do a lot more. But no, this shitbag thinks that this is the way to go and that this is going to solve all their problems. And you know it's not going to do anything. You know, just like every other thing that these environmentalists put forward, it's not going to do anything to solve the problem. So let's go, new Pizzagate. Take them out, baby. Can't get any better. Look at this awesome shirt my buddy got me. That's Ron Paul holding two golden guns. Gold standard. Love it. Got it for Christmas for him many years ago. My super leftist friend who lives in Philly, but he's slowly coming around, especially because he voted for Fetterman, which I had asked him. I said, how's that? How's that feeling right now? How do you like voting for Fetterman? Send him the video of John Fetterman calling Joe Biden a collapsed bridge. He goes, it's not great. Yeah, it's not great, dude. So tying into our Pizzagate story here, Sweden, which had gone down. Now, Sweden, of course, it went ultra woke and now has really come back around. Number one, they, they their new government has been reined in and is now a more or less conservative government because they went so hardcore woke, not only pulling in all of these immigrants, all these refugees, and getting a spike in rapes in their society that is in the thousands of percent increase. I mean, you could not, it, it's sad and sickening to see, right? And I'm not, I don't want to go down the, the path of saying, look, it's the fault of every immigrant there, because obviously it's not a lot of these refugees, but you have a society that was homogenous in the way, in its beliefs, in, it, in it, the way in which people reacted, being the politeness of the society, the way in which men and women interacted, right? You drop tens of thousands of refugees from a completely different culture in there, 
And then you don't have jobs for them. They're sitting around on welfare getting checks from the government. They, they form gangs. And there's also barriers to entry, right? There's a language barrier. So a lot of people want to work but can't. They join gangs. And then because of the cultural difference, which a lot of these people where they come from, rape is a thing, a real thing. Well, Swedish women are getting raped all over the place. But that, I digress. Even though that is factually happening, please go Google it if you don't believe me. It has produced a backlash against most of these woke leftist policies in Sweden. One of those is that they had pledged to be net zero, which is an idiotic goal that's never going to be achieved in any way, shape, or form until, let's say, hydrogen cell technology or nuclear fission comes together. But, I'm sorry, nuclear fusion comes together, which might be closer than we think. Why is it nuclear fusion here? Well, probably Closer than you think. Ask a libertarian. They can tell you why, because of all the government regulations, the cost of doing business. Anyway, so Sweden now, this new leadership, has abandoned 100% renewable energy goals as broader members of the EU are reconsidering their climate policies. Why? Well, obviously, because they're getting buttfucked by energy prices and by the hard reality that renewables are not ready to be put into use this way, that the battery technology to keep there, even if you have sunny weather and high winds, right? Great. You can't store it. That's why renewables are never going to compare to something like an oil or a coal, because those, you keep them there in their state until you want to use them and they don't go bad and they produce energy 20 times what renewables can do. You pair that with, of course, the issues going going with Russia and Ukraine and the pipelines coming in. Well, you got yourself a major problem. So Sweden, to their credit, 40 years after they voted to phase out nuclear power, is now looking to build more nuclear reactors. They are formally abandoning the 100% renewable energy target to meet net zero by 2045. Goodbye, net zero. Every nation should say goodbye, net zero. And they're turning towards nuclear. Now, you guys may or may not know this, but John uh, from uh, Finding Freedom, our Monday, and my co- cohort here at Lions of Liberty, he works in the nuclear industry. So obviously, he's pissed off that more nations aren't thinking like Sweden and embracing this. Germany famously had shut down their nuclear pants. But the thing is, nuclear is the cleanest, the most powerful energy resource we have. And the newest generations of power plants coming out don't have any risk involved like the old power plants did of old that could actually have a Fukushima or a uh, Chernobyl. These things are safe. They are powerful. They are clean. And yet for decades, you had leftist dickheads saying that somehow nuclear power was not the way forward and that we had to instead build these clean burning, you know, recycled plants that burn forest wood. Of course, there's documentaries coming out showing how that's a scam, how it's worse for the environment, how we can't use wood for fuel because that's harming the forest. And then we have all these forest fires. I mean, is there anything environmentalists have, have fought for, have told us about that hasn't been a complete failure with unintended consequences out the ass? I was just on Chris Smith's show last week, and Chris Smith is on TNT Radio. Uh, I'm, I'm on there every week, actually. You can listen to me. I'll be on tonight at uh, 9.20 Pacific time. So if you're up, listen in. It's on TNT Radio streaming. But he had brought a story to my attention about wind farms, which they put in these, you know, deep in the ocean, out far in the ocean, causing whales to beach themselves and run into the wind farms themselves because the way these things are vibrating in the ocean is causing them to have their sonar disrupted. It's causing them to not know where they are. It's causing them to like, literally to ram into the wind farms or to beach themselves and is killing whales. So environmentalists went from smashing ships into whaling ships. And I'm not a huge fan of whaling, by the way. I prefer it didn't happen. But they went from smashing into whaling ships to cheering on wind power that's 
killing whales at an even higher rate. It's a stupid time we live in. The expert class has been completely eroded and degraded, properly so, after COVID, and the climate is the next thing that should be attacked, just like COVID experts were torn down. We've got Greta Thunberg's fucking famous stupid tweet, which, by the way, was on June 21st, five years ago, telling us that the world was going to be ended. Well, that got deleted because these people are right about nothing. And we know now that the World Health Organization has their One Health Treaty. I, I talked about this in a previous episode as well, which seeks to redefine human health as basically all-encompassing. Now, this ties in completely with totalitarianism and medical authoritarianism or medical fascism, whatever you want to call it. Essentially, lockdown control by these World Health Organizations, by worldwide government in the efforts to combat human health issues, which number one issue for most of these people, climate change. How do they describe it? An existential threat to humanity. Well, what greater threat could there be if it's an existential threat to humanity than climate change? And ipso facto, now you've got climate lockdowns, now you've got climate SARS, now you've got climate passports, now you've got CDBCs out there, which, by the way, RFK Jr. said is one of the greatest evils and will turn us into slaves. Again, pretty good stuff from RFK. Fuck climate. All right, so. Thank you, Roscoe, telling me Doomberg has great information on nuclear power. So let's move on. A couple more things to talk about here. I do want to uh, talk about this Wagner thing. Now, the Wagner, 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 Wagner group. I don't know. You know me. I don't know how to pronounce shit. But you've got this story now that came out. And sadly, while I was at Porkfest, so I wasn't able to research it too deeply. But I'm reading up on this, this issue that happened where the Wagner group, which was absolutely I'd say more potent than a lot of Russia's fighting forces in Ukraine. However, has a reputation for being brutal, a lot of former prisoners, but was funded by the Russian government, had just as many tanks and anti-aircraft missile guns and all these other things as the regular military. There was some argument between generals, apparently, and this is one of the issues that was raised by, uh, what's his name, Pritzkin? Uh, I can never find the name or you, when you're trying to find it. Prizgolin? Vlogin? Well, I can never find it. Whatever the fucking guy's name who's running it. The former caterer was that the generals were basically slowing down and and getting in the way of shipments of weapons and arms to his group. Then they said that they were bombed. The Russian government had bombed them. This is what we're being told. Now, I take all of this with a grain of salt. So let's presume that this is true and that the Wagner group got pissed off. They say, you know, we're not going to take anymore. We're getting denied what we need to fight. We're getting bombed by our own government. Well, we're going to go march on Moscow, right? So they head up and they go march on Moscow. Meanwhile, there's barely any reports of them really taking many casualties. Russia says that 12 pilots were killed from various helicopters and airplanes from anti-aircraft weapons that the Wagner group fired at them. You've got the Russian side of things saying that they had attacked the convoy that was going in towards Moscow on a major bridge. But as far as actual casualties, not many. Considering that this was being portrayed as an all-out rebellion against Putin by the Western media. But coincidentally, the Wagner group ends up in Belarus, like 100 miles from Kiev. So they're actually better positioned to attack. Them. And they're being given, if we're to believe Putin, they're being given essentially full pardons. There's no treason 
charges being pressed. And these guys are just chilling in Belarus right now. So <laughs> was this truly a rebellion or was this a, a false flag operation to try to convince the West that this group had turned against them to give false hope to Ukraine while they reconfigure their troop placements? Possibly. Was it a paid for rebellion that was led by the CIA? I mean, the water was being paid by Russia, but considering the billions upon billions of dollars that we've given to Ukraine, I I'm sure that we could come up with a blank check to give to this group. If they're going to become fighters for the NATO rebellion, you know, these are, we've, it's not like we haven't funded groups before, you know, it's not like hey, we created ISIS this way, right? Why would we not be, we wouldn't blink an eye to create a new Russian ISIS. If it was going to get Putin out of office, never mind that what replaces Putin is probably going to be worse. So it could be that. Or it could be what we're actually told, which is that the leader of the Wagner group just simply got fed up of his troops being killed and <laughs> somehow thought that marching on Moscow would work. But if so, the fact that they stopped and turned around means that this was all for show anyway. Right? So, I mean, God damn, I hate when this camera goes out of focus. Long story short, I, did, I want to give those, those thoughts. If I had to guess which one was accurate, I'm actually trending towards this being for show. I could be completely wrong. And I will go on record as saying, I don't know what the fuck the truth is. Nobody does. That's the thing. All these talking heads, all these people telling you what's going on. None of them have any idea what's happening. Nobody knows what's going to happen from all of this. We just literally have to wait and see. But I think of all those three options, to me, what makes most sense is that this was a way to get these troops far closer to Kiev, these potent fighting forces, or the CIA. I think the I think the the premise that the Wagner group is going to somehow march through and take Moscow and overthrow Putin is the dumbest of all three. <laughs> it's the one that, that makes the least sense of all three. But I have been wrong before. Yes, I agree. Libertarian podcast review. We do need blank checks for Lions of Liberty. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to wrap up with today. I think that's about it, though, guys. I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I covered all the bases. Oh, you know what? No, that's it. I covered all the bases. Thank you for tuning in. I, uh, as I said, hopefully we'll have for you the live show for next week featuring Matt Kibbe and Angela McArdle. So weigh in on that um, when you do see it. Interested to hear it because we do talk about RFK, again, about messaging, uh, about who's going to run for president for the Libertarian Party, etc. John hopefully will have his talk with Jeffrey Tucker, which, by the way, has a very interesting tidbit about Tucker Carlson in it. And I highly recommend that you watch that. And of course, to remind you guys, the Do Nothing Man live we recorded there, hilarious, and the live reading of Queer Werewolves Destroy Capitalism, excerpts were read because that book is hardcore gay werewolf pornography, which I had to read for you people to do this, uh, this comedy show. Those will go to our Pride which you can join at patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty or lions of liberty dot locals dot com. Uh, the gay werewolves destroy capitalism probably will never see the light of day outside of that pride group. So you do want to watch that, especially to see the Q and a portion where I take on the role of a gay werewolf and answer questions posed to me by the audience, not to be missed.
All right, guys, thank you. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.